just to launch this conversation. This is our playground. They have spontaneous conversations. They don't plan this. I mean, there's actually something sort of spiritual about that. What's he do? He's a human being. <laughs> yeah, I'm a sexist feminist. We should be friends. <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Rob and Callie Show. My name is Rob K. I'm sitting here with my friend Callie Alpert. What's up, Callie? Good evening. I'm disoriented because I've never seen this side of your face before. I know. I've, <laughs> I've hidden it from you all these years I and I succeeded up until tonight. So the secret's out of the bag. Right. It's I've, a lovely side. I have two it's sides to side. my face. You do have two sides. Sometimes. A few more sides. Yeah, literally. You know? It depends. You know, what personality takes over that day? So welcome everybody on the Facebook live stream. Welcome to Talk Radio. Myc. We really appreciate everybody watching and yes, listening. We do. we do this every Tuesday night, 8 o'clock to 9 o'clock Eastern Time. And we're coming to you from the talkradio.myc studios on the Upper West Side of Manhattan. So... Yeah, Callie Alpert. Hi. So I'm doing, I'm doing, I'm not fully present yet. I Cal- need to get more present. Callie's getting all technologically so need, set. Yeah, no, I'm getting, I'm getting set to hand Sam my phone so he can get us technologically set for me. There Thank we go. Thank you, Sam. There we go. So, um, so yeah, so welcome to uh, talkradio.nyc and also welcome to our Facebook Live viewers slash listeners. Um, this is interesting. I know. I mean, it's just switching up the seats, right? But it's amazing how important it is to just do things a little differently to switch up the juju and like, you know. I was even talking. I think my therapist is probably going to come up a few times tonight. I have a feeling. Um, but earlier today, when I had my uh, my session with him, um, we were talking about a whole array of things. But <clears throat> one of my answers to one of his questions was, "I'm trying to do opposite actions, even in subtle little ways, to kind of undo old patterning in my brain." And so this is a very little, simple example of that. But it feels different. Well, it really does. It makes a difference. Truth be told, your therapist called me and said, "Okay, here's a <laughs> exactly. list of actions I want you to take with Callie. Yeah, make her sit. Some in of them, are, most of them are on the show. So have her sit in a different seat and look a different way and everything. So yeah, we're changing it up a little, and uh, yeah, it feels good. Thank you know, you, new Sam. season, new changes. That's what we're doing. Yes. Um, so I'm just trying to think uh, before we start the show if there's anything we need to cover as far as disasters happening, um, politics. Um, if anyone wants a free IQ test, I think you can find that online. I know our president is very interested in people's IQs. So if they want to check their own IQ, you could do that. <laughs> I love taking on um, online IQ tests because I always score really high. That's how challenging those tests are. Oh. Have you ever taken one? I I don't know if I have. Like on Facebook, they're they must be. You know, they're a little more. I, I they're not the they're not your you know your um, traditional IQ tests that are you know tailor made for kids like whether you take in high school or college or whatever. Right. They're like the Facebook version, and they make you feel really good about yourself. Oh. Almost like the early you know the early questions on Jeopardy or the early questions on um, what is it? What's the um, what's the other one? The million, oh, Wheel, uh, Wheel of Fortune? No, no, no. The other, like, smarty pants. Oh, show. who wants to be a millionaire? Yes, thank you. Yeah. So, you know, the like, those preliminary questions make you feel really smart while you're playing at home. Yeah. That's the way those, um, the, the, at least the Facebook IQ tests make you feel. So. My grandma, Evelyn, was just, she loved Jeopardy, and she watched it every night. And she'd sit there, and she'd play gin rummy with herself, and she'd watch 
Jeopardy. And um, when I'd watch it with her, I was amazed. She was like an encyclopedia. She knew so much. When my mom was growing up in Brooklyn, people would call my grandmother because this is before encyclopedias. So they would call my grandmother to try and get the answer. She was oh, the, the first line. Google. She, oh. she was she was the Jewish Google. Evelyn. Yeah. So they call, call Evelyn and Evelyn and knew so much. And so when I watched Jeopardy with her, she'd know all the answers. In fact, if I watch Jeopardy these days, which isn't that often, but if I watch it, if I can guess that final answer, I'm always like very proud of myself. Yeah. I haven't actually, I have a friend who's been working on that show for many years. Um, and uh, I haven't watched it, though, in a while. Yeah. I did try when when I went to Los Angeles um, back in the 90s. I followed my boyfriend at the time out there. Um, and we both worked in the television industry out there for, you know, many years. He's actually still out there. Um and but to make money because you know i was living we were living with his cousins we were sharing like one car we were living you know an hour away from any real you know the action um and areas that were more um conducive to us you know finding a life and finding a career or whatever more in the suburbs mm. and so what i did for money i'm just thinking about this now as we're talking about jeopardy is i applied to all the game shows to become contestants on every game show because that was at least at the time a trend as an attempt to make some quick cash right um now shockingly i didn't get accepted to one but I went into all of the audition processes. Did you really? I did. Yeah. Wow. But you have to be very perky and spunky and jumping up and down and enthusiastic. And I guess I lacked in that area. Miss Alpert, um, we just don't think you have enough energy for a game yeah, show. Yeah, I guess I, I didn't have... You're just a little too laid back. <laughs> I probably was, or at least I wasn't the Americana version of what they needed their audience or their participants to be. Right. Anyway... I was did a huge you, so, game show junkie back so in the day. So did you audition for The Price is Right? Um, I don't remember. I probably did. Okay. I just may have. I know Jeopardy will for Yeah, a good amount of them. Okay, because The yeah, Price is yeah. Right. I always want to be on The Price is Right to win the car. Like oh, there was right. always yeah. a car at the end yeah. or, you know, the big showcases at the end. Yeah. And I remember like if you were sick and you stayed home from school or if you skipped school like I did sometimes, just a couple of times, um, I used to write my own notes and they called my dad one day because I had skipped so many classes. And they're like, um, are you writing these notes that Rob keeps bringing in? And he's like, yeah. Like he oh, totally covered for wow. me. Yeah, my dad was yeah, cool Yeah, like wow. Yeah, yeah, that wasn't my parents. So, yeah. But um, <laughs> anyway, so when you would stay home from school, I think at 10 o'clock they'd show different, different, uh, different strokes. And then after that at 11 was like The Price is Right. And so that was like, you know, the shows you'd watch. Oh, yeah. Because this was before like cable exploded and you had a yeah. thousand channels to yeah. choose from. No, I would come. I mean, I come home from school and, um, you know, I, I think Match Game was on like after I came home from school. But I was addicted to those game shows on television. Yeah. yeah. Well, they brought Match Game back, which is interesting. I don't think it's as good as the original, which yeah, is hard to do. Watch you needed Gene Rayburn with that long mic and, you know, the original players that were on there. I'm trying to remember some of the personalities. Like Charles Nelson Riley, or that was Hollywood Squares. That was Hollywood Squares, yeah. Um, oh my gosh, all my favorite 70s like actors. I can see all their hair in my head right now. I just yeah. can't remember their names. It'll come to me by the end of the show. I'm yeah, and it's like Paul it. Lynn. I never yeah. realized Hollywood as a kid Squares. that he was gay. Like it never occurred to me. <laughs> I just thought he was... I Friendly? Guess, yeah, and he was just flamboyant. <laughs> or, you know, I didn't even know that word as a kid. But I don't know, he was just a different kind of guy. You know, but I, I didn't really realize he was gay. And then as I got older, I, I learned about gay people. And now it makes sense, you know. Yeah. Well, there's the purity of a child's mind. It doesn't matter. That's no right. Separation, right? That's right. Is that a segue into can, our show? Can't, I love that segue. Can't we go back to that, Callie? 
And now I think we're going to introduce our topic yeah. by asking that question. Can we go back to that? Can we go back to a time of simplicity and some maybe even, I don't know about innocence, but just sort of kindness, natural care, uh, attention, you know, the basics, mm-hmm. the basics. So mm-hmm. tonight, everybody, we're going to talk about the numbing of America. And the way this topic came up is Callie and I were talking about how society has just gotten so desensitized and there's so much going on in the world. It's tough to not only keep up with it, but process it. And I think some people, the way they're reacting is they're just shutting down and getting desensitized. Yeah. And so we're going to talk about this in lots of different ways. But I think, you know, the first way to talk about it, I, I, I think, is sort of the one thing that I've noticed as far as America going a bit numb is the fact that, and I don't want to turn this into a political show, but in politics, there's so many basics that are lacking, just common courtesy and decency and a sense of debate, mm-hmm. which our founding fathers wanted for this country. They wanted people to talk about different ideas to create a better country and to keep getting better as a country. But now there's no discussion. There's no debate. It's either this side or that side or someone takes a side and they're not even willing to talk at all. And there's so much fighting going on. And I think underneath all of this, for me, I just don't like the the lack of respect that's going right. on. Mm-hmm. If we just could have a little more care and respect for each other, I'd be a happier guy. Yeah. I'm laughing at your talking about um, at, at your mention of I don't want to get into politics because I got into the worst altercation at a restaurant this past weekend. I was sit- I was by myself. Was it like a girl fight? No. Well, right. well, I was sitting next to the wife, so there was definitely more of the female Right. Are, can females have cock feathers? But yeah, we did. Right. We did that night. Right. Um, you know, and so I was actually supposed to go out to dinner with a group of friends and somebody fell ill. And so we did a rain check. So I was on my own. I went to a restaurant that um, um, I've been to several times outside of New York City. When I'm alone, I sit at the bar, usually with my book. You know, I, I, I try not to avoid I, I try to avoid the busier Saturday night thing. But there I was. And it was early. I sit down. There's a couple next to me. Um, I could tell they were probably, you know, a bottle of wine in. She just had a lot of bravado. You can feel people's energy when they... Did I tell you the story already? No, okay. no, no. You can feel people's energy pretty quickly when you're sitting next to them. And she was very loud, and they were taking up a lot of what I call space, and, you know, more figuratively than literally by being loud. And and anyway, at some point, she starts including me in her conversation about her dog. So I'm like, oh, that's nice. And she was talking about volunteering with dogs or whatever she was doing. That was altruistic. I thought, all right, I'm not going to, you know, let me... Let me tamp down my judgment or whatever, my perception. Um, I respect that. And then her husband says, I don't want to talk about politics, but, and I don't even remember what the first thing was, but You're it was like, something. Then you blacked out. You just, you don't <laughs> then I went anything. numb. Then you woke up in the police station and you're like, I well, voted for Hillary, so sue me. And then it might have even had something, it was something, and I, and I know better. And the last thing I'm going to do is, you know, or the second to last thing I'm going to do is start engaging in that with somebody. So then um, uh, I said, well, I don't want to get into politics either. But as a woman, I'm just curious, may I ask you, do you feel the same way about the president now as you do at the time you know, of the election? And, and it went from there. She was very dogmatic. It doesn't even matter what we were talking about. There was no space. He, um, it ends up, was a Russian immigrant who was against immigration. 
because when the Russians came over in 1978, um, they were refugees. But the Mexicans come over by swimming through the river. And this is almost a quote. Needless to say, I was deeply offended. And I didn't, again, I'm eating dinner. I want to enjoy myself. It's not a cheap place. I certainly don't want to spend my Saturday night with these two. But they were so in my face. And so to your point, I thought, here we are again. And this has happened to me plenty of times before, during, and since the election. Um, kind of inadvertently. It's just I get a trigger, especially when people are lacking humility. I know better because this is where I have getting back to our theme tonight. I have numbed and desensitized on some level, or I've tried to as a defense mechanism to process my still stuck and sort of unclear feelings about what's going on in the world. And we can get deeper into that. But that's my reflex. And yet, when people get um, have a sense of smugness and bravado and a lack of humility for other human beings, to your point, that's when it really gets my goat. And I just, you know, I had a lot of things to say, but they wouldn't let me finish a sentence. So all this to say that that's that deeply entrenched, like we can't even have a conversation. And it started with, I don't want to have a conversation, but let's have a, let me get in your face. Right, right. You know, yeah, so that was just way. my defense mechanism was my attempt to desensitizing in that moment. Right. You know? Right. So I was thinking about and that story is just a great example about, you know, how people aren't even respecting each other's boundaries. You know, this guy probably didn't read body language or cues, social right. cues at all from you that maybe you didn't right. want to talk about it. Maybe you're trying to enjoy a Saturday night without talking about Trump at all. Right. With my autobiography of a yogi book in my hand, by the way, just for a little. Right. I know Sam would appreciate that just for contrast. Right. Right. So it's. um yeah, it's just, you know, the time we're living in is so different. You know, and I was thinking about today growing up in the se- the 70s, and we talk about this on the show sometimes, just how different it was back then. It's just a little bit simpler. So we're going to go to break. Thanks for watching and listening. You're listening to talkradio.myc. The Robin Callie Show will be right back. Welcome back, everybody, to The Rob and Callie Show. We're here on talkradio.nyc. Thank you for joining us also on Facebook Live. Hello to everyone. It's fun to wave every once in a while, as obnoxious as it is. It's nice to connect that way. And if anybody would like to call and join us, share a story, join our conversation, please give us a call, uh, 877-480-4120. Before the break, you had mentioned sort of the age of innocence. Yes, we're sounding a little old by sort of, you know, wistfully pining for the days of yesteryear. This is the time where it's not so much that we sound old. We're bringing up some ideas from the past to make use of them today. And so it's very important to make that distinction. You know, this isn't about nostalgia we're talking about. We're talking about a time where people were just a little bit happier in certain ways. I'm not saying there weren't challenges back then. I'm not saying we haven't made a lot of progress in areas up till today. It's just we're talking about how people just don't really give a shit sometimes or they care a lot about themselves these days more than usual or they just can't 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 get caught up in things because they've gotten desensitized by everything going on. Yeah. Well, I think, and so to that point, because I think there's a generational thing that goes on too, which sort of reflects all these paradigm shifts of, you know, what is to be expected, what's happening in the zeitgeist and in our culture these days and how much tolerance um, does it require and how much does it hurt? And these aren't things that you can measure, but you can only measure them really by comparison. So earlier today, um, uh, I was in a Starbucks just shortly, like just juicing up my, before an appointment and juicing up my computer. And I, um, a young woman, a mother and her young daughter sat down next to me. It was obvious they were visiting New York and you could hear them talking about what they're going to do while they're here in, in New York City. And the little girl said, 
what's Times Square? And the mother explained what Times Square is. And then um, the mom said something about, and then we're going to go to Ground Zero. And the little girl said, what's that? And she said, remember, that's where the two um, Twin Towers came down. And the kid said, how did they come down? And I'm listening, and I'm like crying as I'm listening to this. And she says to her daughter, who I don't know, is maybe six-ish, um, seven years old, she said, um, remember, that's when the terrorists and, um, and their airplanes hit the buildings. Very simple. But think about that. I mean, like I have goosebumps even just reliving her words. And I was really, I was crying and trying to be um, subtle as I was sitting next to them. But can you imagine? I mean, did we have those conversations when we, we had a war going on? Well, and there were things. Which was that- very, very, you know, very, very serious. Vietnam War, obviously, major sobriety to it. Yeah, go ahead. Marie. Right. You also had the, the raid on Entebbe. You had the killing of the Israeli Olympic athletes, you know, there were certain terrorist activities that happened back then that were shocking. Nothing on this magnitude. Right. And not a lot, not as much in this country. Right. And that's the thing, too. It doesn't excuse, again, that doesn't um, explain really why, well, it does on some level, but why some things are more palpable than others, because all of it matters. Globally, we're all brothers and sisters and we're all related. But let's be honest, if it doesn't affect us, we don't really, we're not touched by it or it's more easy to protect us from it. Obviously, media was different then. So there's a lot of different factors. Of course, there was a shitstorm going on. There always is. Right. Right. But doesn't it feel like it's way more intensified now? And for a mom to have to, in such a tender, uh, emotionless, kind of gentle, short-winded way, explain something of such gravity right. is heart-wrenching. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, it is. I, I wonder if the girl, the little girl said to her mom, Mommy, why is this woman listening to us and crying? <laughs> there was that. But that wouldn't be the first time. Callie the eavesdropper. Um so yeah, no that that is quite the story. Um I think one of the reasons why I bring up the 70s is because it was just slower. Yeah. Things were just slower back then and you know That's what cocaine will do for a society. I'm just kidding. Yeah. So uh yeah, but it was like slower and um everything wasn't as digitized and overstimulating and I think that um I think that some of what's going on in the world is reflecting all of this high energy that's going on. I'm not saying, like Callie said, this hasn't been going on for centuries, but it's like even television. It's like I used to really like television and sometimes I get overwhelmed. I'm like, there's another TV show I'm not going to watch. It's like so many choices these days. It can be a little overwhelming. Sometimes I just turn off the TV. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to play the guitar or do something else. Um, and so that's one example. Now, in another way, it's great because it's so many different choices. But I think one of the things that I wanted to do on the show tonight is to remind people about bringing some of that sensitivity and care back into their lives and in, to connecting with other people, but also slowing down a bit to where maybe we do have a little more sensitivity. Yeah, which I think ultimately is really the crux. Like you said, that's probably the most important thing we can take out of the show. And we'll definitely talk about that more, you know, but to your point about um, more choices, you know, I even think in my own little life, there's um, sometimes when I feel like I have too too many choices, I get um, subjected to sort of the analysis paralysis syndrome where I feel like I am in no man's land and I can't decide on anything and everything gets more diluted, you know, so to that point about the way we get into it. I was talking to my mom about the show tonight, what our theme was. And she said to me, you know, I was asking her just what she thought of it. And she said, you know what? We all have 10 fingers and our 11th finger, our 11th appendage is our phones. 
And we are so, you know, we're especially different generations that are coming up with technology. Like you said, we have to make a decision sometimes to let it go to play the guitar. Nowadays, kids these days, you know, I'm generalizing, don't are, are not as supported in the idea of putting it down. And that's just naturally, I think it's impacting the way generations neurologically are being created, this inundation, whether it's, again, this might be a little in the weeds, but the electromagnetic energy that's floating around, the just the simple addiction to technology, the way that we can, that, you know, people communicate, the lack of sort of, um, you know, person to person, it's that High tech, low, um, high tech, high touch, high tech, low touch thing that John Nesbitt used to talk about in Megatrends 2000, I think it was. Um, we don't connect in the same way and we're so infiltrated and so, um, you know, you could, the, the Vegas massacre, for example, you know, just one story, obviously a, a, a tremendously um, horrible um, story that just happened. You know, you could get that every which way for what three weeks straight what does that do to our own like our nerves our nervous systems and in turn and the way we process things you know scientifically i'm no expert i didn't have the time to research that the way i wanted to before tonight but those things sort of form in us um different reactions and different sort of defense mechanisms also than what we grew up with so i don't think it leaves the same amount of space to process things emotionally yeah. You know? Yeah. And I, I, I agree with you, though, about the electromagnetic energy. It sounds crazy, but it's got to have an effect on everybody yeah. being a little more anxious. I know it's having an effect on me. That's why sometimes I leave my phone at home. I check my messages or texts when I get home. It's because I ju just don't need that extra energy or extra distraction. And I want to give someone the respect and care and attention that I would want someone to give me. Um, and it's like, how important is it? I mean, unless I'm really waiting for an important phone call, I can just get my messages the way I used to. Um, and, uh, and you know, when you were talking about the, the Vegas massacre, I just want to go to a comment that Dan Heller left on Facebook. There's so much contradictory information flooding the media. It's crazy making. There's also many scary life-death events to process. New stuff every day. Our minds aren't designed to handle all of right. it, so we shut down. So it. Thank it, you, Dan. Yeah, thanks, and Dan. And hello, nice to see you joining us. But Thank it, you. it's so true that eventually you can only take so much, and you're just going to get overstimulated and shut down. And so, you know, when I heard about Vegas, my first reaction was how horrible it was, and then my next reaction was how I've been desensitized a bit, or I've lost some sensitivity when these gun tragedies happen because I'm still angry that they haven't done anything since Sandy Hook. I thought when those kids died, they're going to do something about gun control. They're going to do some common sense legislation. People are going to come together no matter what party you're affiliated with. It just makes sense that we're going to make sure that the mentally ill can't get their hands on guns or some common sense reform. And they did nothing. And the parents of those kids marched up to Congress and Capitol Hill and they looked those senators and reps in the eyes mm -hmm. and they did nothing. And so a part of me went cold in a way. And I'm like a caring dude. And a part of me was like, you know what? Fuck this. Yeah. Like the next time it happens, maybe then they'll wake up and do something about it. And so when this tragedy happened, again, it's horrible. On a human level, it is awful what happened. And I still can't fully process it. In another way, I'm like, maybe they're going to wake up and do something about the laws in this country about gun control. Yeah. But so there's a few things that you said. Number one, 
obviously we're not the policymakers, but they is us. On, on some level, we're all connected. Yeah. And we don't have the same power as our um, lawmakers do to change those laws, but we definitely have the power to mobilize and all the things we all try to do in our own little and big ways. Um, and so, yeah, I totally understand. And I think that what I'm hearing you say, too, is that it, it's it's a collective pain. I mean, we're all still human beings. We're forgetting that. You know, we're becoming these robots. There's no – this is just – Deeper in, from my, from my perspective, deeper and deeper levels of pain that just become more and more difficult to manage because we're getting lambasted every day with some new shitstorm, natural disasters, you know, um, war. I'm sorry, Sam. Yeah, the fires, earthquakes in Mexico City, obviously Vegas, you know, um, college campus shootings, and then just all the regular local news. I mean, nobody's life is more valuable. You know, it's just that it happens more in mass, and so it makes more of a statement, you know, in the media. Um, but I think so for me, like, for example, um, last week when everything happened in Las Vegas, for the first few days, I was just riveted in that ugly way by the news in a way that I'm not proud of, or I just kind of wanted to see more and more. And I'm not a super news junkie, but with some of these stories, that's what happens. And I didn't feel any, I didn't feel much. It took about five to seven days. It happened when I was out last Friday night. I was reading an email from our beloved soul sister, Danielle Laporte, who we've been lucky to have um, on the show. And she, it was part of her email mailing. Um, she has an, um, somebody on her team that was in Vegas that was, um, her life thankfully was spared, but she was an instrumental part of the whole scene and helped other people. So Danielle was giving people sort of um, collective ideas about how to deal with trauma and how they're, they're trying to help her team member with her specifically. And that's when I lost it so for me it happened same thing with mexico city i was so um riveted might not be the right word but so compelled to sort of just look and understand i was so overwhelmed by the magnitude but it wasn't until i started hearing the personal stories of the person who did this the first responder that did that where i saw the actual buildings when you hear the voices so we all process it in different ways and i'm you know as a deeply sensitive feeling human being on most days um, I was surprised that it took me that to really get to the the pain of it right you know right and you know we can have another discussion about souls being part of a massive change and an event and things like that but tonight's not the night for a, a topic that's like a that riskier, yeah, that's yeah, a riskier we'll get into that eventually will, we've talked about it off the air how we want to try and get into that conversation but tonight it's about the human experience <laughs> And one of the things that I do is um, I usually mute commercials and then um, Why? I, just because it's a lot of extra energy and it's like it's just overstimulating. You know, it's just it, it, I don't really need a lot of that information. Um, and then the other thing is, is I especially mute when they do a local news promo about the news that night. It's always horrible. And I don't understand how the newscasters are sitting there with a smile on their face after they give that promo or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then we'll go to the weather. And I'm like, and it's because they're so desensitized. A part of them has gone numb to be able to have a job like that. So with that, we're going to go to break. We'll be right back. And welcome back, everybody, to the Robin Kelly Show here on TalkRadio.nyc. And also welcome to all of our Facebook Live viewers, we say, on radio, which is always kind of a fun sort of contradictory meta 
21st century so sort of thing. You're so controversial and contradictory. <laughs> so such duality. Um, so tonight we're talking about the uh, um, the the numbing of America, the desensitization. You were talking earlier before um, before the break about uh, newscasters, for example, and their compartmentalization. You know, and the way that that's that's their self preservation. And I can relate to that. You know, having worked in TV for so many years, I've done a lot of sensitive stories, and I'm by nature not much of a compartmentalizer, but I have become more so. And I don't know if that's just by nature, it's just just by virtue of of um, life getting harder and having to function on so many different levels at the same time. Um, but you know, I think about really sensitive stories that I've done. Um, people that you know, some really tragic occurrences and they're they're long longer form interviews so it can get really you know really deep and you're talking to these people for a while it's not the same as when, when you're doing news coverage or things feel a little more fleeting and you're on the street and I remember one um, one particular story um, where a woman's daughter took her life after being um, gang raped at a uh, college it was a very very delicate powerful story and I was with a very dear friend cameraman who's also a beautiful sensitive soul brother and we all maintained our composure there because we wanted to be professional and we also wanted to respect this woman sharing her story and as soon as we got to the car we all lost it collectively you know the whole crew so again there's just that's just a, a self-preservation i guess or defense mechanism or compartmentalizing or whatever you want to you know whatever you want to call it but i find that as i've gotten older and life has gotten harder frankly um, for, you know, be it work or financial or romantic or family or aging parents and health challenges or money, whatever it is, you know, and then everything with the world when you're a sensitive person. So you take in the collective consciousness, as we do, if you're made like us, um, compartmentalizing feels like a necessity. I don't want to be like that, but it's just sort of happened. Like, do you find yourself sort of compartmentalizing? Like that. Yeah, I think you have to, but I think that's also what like meditations for, yeah. you know, it really yeah. helps ground me and sort of try and, I don't know, make sense of things, but really feel like I'm grounded enough and I don't need to be <clears throat> distracted or I don't get distracted as easily. Um, one of the things that I really try and do is show people attention, show that I care. And again, I think that's the opposite of our topic tonight. You know, the numbing of America, I think the opposite is the caring of America or the caring of other people. And what I want to suggest to all of us, including myself, is to practice caring more. Show you care more. Whether it's activism, whether it's telling someone you love them when you've been in a fight or whatever, or work it out, or if it's, um, it's your own self-care where you've been neglecting yourself. Like I bought a guitar and for months I didn't open it up. I didn't break it out of the box. And I finally was like, you know, I mean, I, I just sit in there. I got to break it out of the box. So it's about showing care. And I think that's one of the things that isn't necessarily going to battle what's going on, but it's going to alleviate the pain of what's going on more and more. I don't mean to sound cliche, but it really is about going back to the love. Either we're moving towards love or we're moving towards fear. Mm -hmm. And what I try and practice as much as I can is moving towards love and care. Just before you said that, I was thinking the exact same thing. So maybe you're cliche and I'm cliche with you, but we're both on the go. same page. I was All thinking right. the exact same thing. Um, and, you know, and that is where we ultimately would like to take, you know, um, take some of the shows to uh, the positive side of it. Or at least, you know, you can't have light without dark or dark without light, right? right. Everything's contrast and perspective and duality and all of those things. And 
this also sounds really cliche and it in no way brings peace to the people that are immediately experiencing all these tragedies. That said, there are a lot of beautiful signs of shining humanity that always come through these tragedies. And um, I remember probably my first real palpable experience with that was 9-11 where and, and in the way I participated, too, because I was in the streets, take, you know, participating and volunteering and taking a lot of photographs and interacting with first responders. And um, the first thing I did after it happened was like race to New York City. We could analyze what that's about. But the point is, is that I felt the, the there's a obviously there was a pal of kind of um, silence over the city for a long time. But at the same time, there were these beautiful moments of humanity. And you see that anytime big or small, anything difficult happens. I wish it didn't take that, but I do, to your point, feel so intent on once I go through my own process of like, first I get numb or then I get angry and then I get numb and then I check out and then I feel hopeless. There's always the piece of me when I bring myself back, which is I will be damned if I won't, pardon me, I'm not getting even choked up. It's just a horse, um, horse, a frog in my throat. Um, I'll be damned if I let this uh, energy um, dictate who I am while I'm here on this planet and how I look at the world. And that's a decision. It doesn't come naturally, and it's very, very difficult, and it takes me a lot of time. But I make a point of being nicer, kinder, slower in my driving, opening more doors, little stupid things that I feel like if we all did collectively would ripple out and maybe create just one more level of love, humanity, whatever word you want to call. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it, and it, it, there's no such thing as a littlest <clears throat> amount of humanity. It's all good. Yeah. Anytime you show care to anybody, it's good. When I'm in the elevator going to my apartment and there's a delivery guy, I usually say to him, hey, how's the night going? You busy or something? Just to show some humanity right. that he, he's not less than me or whatever. You know, right. we're just two human beings riding the elevator. I'm wishing him a good night and that's it. And it's like just anything like that makes such a difference. It really does. I mean, that may change that guy's night and week and month and maybe year that someone was just nice to him or whatever. You know, maybe these people just ignoring him all the time, you know? Um, yeah. I think it's one of the reasons why I like to learn people's names. It's a oh, Dale yeah, Carnegie thing. <laughs> you know, how to win friends and influence people. And I learned it in that book <laughs> where like I use name tags and I like to use people's names. It makes them feel special. It makes them feel like you're actually paying attention to them, you know, and it's just it's important to do. But to go back to what you were talking about with just the sort of pain of it all. We, I addressed this last week on when we were talking um what was her topic last week? We were talking, our breakup, oh, oh, rehab, break up, rehab. Rebecca. Right. And so I was talking about how sometimes, oh, because we opened the show talking about uh, what happened, the massacre in Las Vegas. And I was talking about how sometimes it just breaks my heart to see humans treat each other so terribly. And um, then the opposite of that is when you see that people forget about politics, they forget about demographics they forget about sexual orientation identity they forget about um any sort of prejudice or bias um that makes us go against each other or isolate from each other as groups and 
um, they start coming together and helping each other regardless of what the details are. And I was watching Saturday Night Live and Jason Aldean opened the show yeah. singing Won't Back Down yeah. in honor of Tom Petty. Mm-hmm. And it was so great to see him do that in New York City, a country guy singing a Petty song and saying, we're not going to back down. We're not going to let this stop us from trying to progress and and go forward and keep improving the earth. Because that's something that, you know, if you're if you came here to make a difference, you're going to keep making a difference. I know I am. The irony, too, not that I'm an expert in, you know, the um, psych uh, like the the psychosis of, uh, you know, criminals and perpetrators. But often when they find out what motives are and they dig deep into this, the um, sort of psychological makeup of people that commit a lot of these atrocities, they're exactly the ones that were neglected the attention that we're talking about giving people. You know, and I, that's oversimplified. Obviously, these are complicated um, stories. Right. You know, but um, but I don't think there's anything more important than sh- than I think all of us on this planet want to know that we matter and that we have a place and that somebody's sort of validating our existence. And I think that that's one of the. Gra- I read a great a great quote the other day, which I wish I could remember, but it had to do with attention, and that the greatest gift you can give somebody is the you know the gift of of attention. Right. Just giving them, you know, time or a smile or listening to them or attending to them or helping them. And, you know, so I think it's really important to use these horrible situations to try to make something, you know, to try to make the world better, just to kind of create a contrasting energy, you know, to sort of erase that. Now, that's obviously more easily said than done. Right. Um, but you see it coming out of an election where a lot of people are really angry and mobilizing. You see people coming out of it um, in all these, you know, massacres and situations and national um, natural disasters. And I don't I, maybe it's a control thing. Maybe it's the only thing I feel like I have control over. And so that's why I want to do it. Maybe it's maybe it's because it makes me feel better about myself. Whatever it is, you know, it, I feel more comfortable doing that than I do perpetuating the sort of darkness. Yeah, and I was just going to bring that up about I think a lot of people just feel powerless. And what I want to remind everybody of is we have power. We have the ability to affect change, to take action, to do things. And we're not powerless over certain things. And that's really our own lives and the effect that we have on the world. And so, you know, maybe if someone is feeling powerless and they feel like, oh, it's a waste of time to do anything. I remember I, I wrote an article on a blog that I have called The Voice of Rob. I never I didn't know you had a blog. I do, and I rarely <laughs> write on it, but I wrote an article called Taxation Without Representation. And it was all about how I felt powerless over politics because I felt like we had no power or effect on politicians and we had taxation without representation, which is the reason why the Revolutionary War happened is because we had taxation without representation back then. But I felt it in the 21st century. And so when I start to feel that way, I just have to remind myself that I do have some power to to have an effect. I can send texts now even that send faxes to Congress people right on my phone. I mean, that's one way that technology is fantastic. It's never been easier to take action and to have an effect. Or it doesn't even have to be that political or administrative. It can just be saying hi to somebody, you know, it can be like you said, looking someone in the eyes and, and just showing them that you're actually listening to them. When you're talking about that, I was thinking about dates that I've had where I, you know, 
I, I, when I talk to anyone, I look them in the eye and I listen to them. And dates where women in the beginning of the date may have been standoffish, but by the end we're making out because I've paid so much attention to them and they felt a connection. And I think that's just one actually <laughs> cool romantic example or sexual example about wow. how everyone how, taking notes how, out there. How guys and girls, I guess, you know, it can play to your benefit. If you show attention to people, they feel that vibe. The vibe doesn't lie. Everything is in the vibe. And what we're talking about tonight is that sometimes the vibe has gone quiet and cold. And we want to bring a little bit of life and color back to the vibe. Amen, brother. There you go. I just think that um, the fact that we're getting dating advice from you now is really, it's a wonderful turn just to kind of lighten up the show. I like it. Well, I, yeah, it's also a precursor for an upcoming show we're going to have. <laughs> so with that, we're going to go to break. Stay tuned. <laughs> Welcome back to the Robin Kelly Show. Tonight we're talking about the numbing of America. We want to unnumb everybody, bring some sensitivity, care, love y'all back to the country, the earth. You know what I'm saying? You got to feel it. Hallelujah. Can I get an amen, sister? A to the men. You know a what I'm talking to the about? Men. Don't leave me hanging. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> oh, we, boy. We're talking about... Somebody's going to church we're talk, or temple or whatever We're talking the about getting the, the fuzzies, the chills again, getting that vibe back where you feel like, oh, this is what it's meant to be alive. You know, instead of focusing on all the negativity and how dumb people are, and there are some dumb people out there, and I can be dumb myself, <laughs> but it's like instead of focusing on all that, let's focus a little bit more on the love, on the care, on the respect. You know, the values from the 70s that we talk about a little bit more because we talked about stuff like that. That generation, the greatest generation, you know, that the World War II generation, the baby boomers, they, they talked about this stuff. You know, we were talking during the break about Jerry Seinfeld's special on Netflix and everybody, if you haven't checked it out, check it out. It's fantastic. He goes back to the original place where he started. Where was it? Catch a right, The comic strip. Is this the Comedians in Cars? Or another, no, no, no. That, that's that's like his a show. Comedy special? This is a special okay. he does on Netflix where okay. he goes back to the comic strip where okay. he started started as a teen and he talks about how he got started as a comic in his career. Nice. But one of the things he talks about is when we were kids back in the seventies, like no one cared about anything. Like they didn't care if your seatbelt, they, uh, they didn't care if the cars had seatbelts, you know, they didn't, your parents didn't ask you a whole lot. Like, you know, it was more kids were seen and not heard. He say he would go shopping with his mom and his mom wouldn't pay attention at all. He'd be so bored. He would lie down on the ground. He would just, you know, he couldn't stand it anymore. You know, it's like back then. <laughs> Those were the good old days. Yeah. It's like in a way, like people, things were simpler, but yeah. maybe they didn't pay enough attention in a way. Um, my mom was just sneaking my sister and I into Studio 54. That's what we were doing in the 70s. Uh, really? Yeah, yeah. That's All a story right. for another day. That, that's a whole other oh, episode. Oh, yes, it is. Yeah. So, um, so, yeah. So, we're talking about just some basic reminders of the basics and things that, I don't know, are just part of humanity. I, th I think it would be so in, in the name of our, you know, in our final segment, we like to offer up whatever actionable steps or little takeaways we can, you know, kind of um, share or suggest, you know, I think it's just to back up for a minute. Um, because yes, ultimately, I think the ultimate goal is to whenever you're going through anything in life, we've all been through our own personal shit storms that don't have anything to do with the global level of them, where you're constantly stretched many times where I've been where I've had the metaphor in recent years of like kind of being a balloon 
balloon that's just on the verge of popping because I'm that stretched, even though my constitution for stress and challenges is actually pretty high, you know, where I've really just felt that. And it's happened a lot over the last bunch of years for a variety of different reasons. Um, and so I think whether it's a micro or a macro kind of stress and pain, number one, again, as we always say, we have to honor our feelings and let ourselves feel it and let it, as Danielle Laporte has said um, online a lot lately, so beautifully, keep it fluid, keep it moving, and let it go through you, whether it's seeking professional help, whether it's talking to your loved ones, whatever your resources are, right? Um, I think the other thing that we haven't talked about tonight has to do with surrender. You know, as much as we talk about doing um, good or trying to let the positive or loving feelings kind of be an antidote to all the um, pain that we're witnessing in the planet, <clears throat> I also think that surrender is a very valuable um, no, a noteworthy mention here because it has to, again to do with how out of control we are and while we have control over how we react and we have control over the steps we can take in our own individual lives on a macro level there's a lot of things we can't control on our own right and so surrender I think is just um, something that needs some space also to kind of you know eke in there right um, but then back to all of the different things we can do to try to make ourselves feel better and to try to find sort of loving um, loving ways to not let the not let the darkness win and I, I'm thinking of one thing um, I used to do with my some of my family members that I'd like to actually start up again um, I'll tell you the short version of the story. We used to take bunches of roses and just stand out on the street and hand them out for no reason. Um, this came out of a, a bigger story that has to do with my sister and I being at a place that, um, where there was a wedding and a lot of roses were left over and nobody was taking them and we just didn't want them to go to waste. And we started this little ritual that we did and we did it with my nieces, uh, one of my nieces when she was younger. And we would literally stand on the street corner and just hand them to homeless guy, to the, to the taxi driver, to somebody on the street, just as a way to extend a, a moment of humanity, no other agenda. You know, it was interesting to see how people reacted because some were skeptical or thought there was something we wanted. That's okay. It's like the guys that give out the free hugs. You know, pick your thing. It doesn't have to be public thing. It could be, you know, it could be writing a love letter to your spouse, you know, anything that makes you feel a higher vibration, right? Yeah. Medicine. Yeah. So going back to what you said about surrendering, I think that's part of what I've been doing, which is. You know, I believe there's a, a power greater than myself that runs the universe, you know, and I I've tried to figure out the universe and I can't do it. So I I have. So I'll talk to you after the show. All right. You know. Yeah. <laughs> no wonder you're so anxious. You get a lot on your mind. So, um, yeah. So sometimes I just give up. You know, I, I just stop debating it and I say, you know what? I, I'm not going to understand the universe. I'm not going to understand the mind of the universe. And things are happening that I can't even begin to understand. And I don't have to understand. What I can understand is myself. What I can understand is how do I feel? Do, do I feel calm? Do I feel peaceful? Do I feel serene? Do I feel like I'm having a good day? Or do I, do I feel like um, I'm going through a really tough time and I need a hug or I need to call somebody? It's, it's about focusing on myself and affecting change within myself because that changes the world and then i can forget about what is going on with everything and just focus on me which is just something that i can focus on the other thing is um you know i just want to remind everybody to slow down i think that's really the biggest thing that i can offer tonight as far as a takeaway is as sped up as everything is slow down yeah even right now while you're listening 
Take a deep breath. Exhale. Slow down. It's important to do. And it's something that, that I remind myself to do. I have an expression, my goal is to stroll. <laughs> and so I practice strolling like they did, you know, back in the, the early 20th century, you know, strolling down the street with a woman on your arm and just got the umbrella and long dress. And the guys were all dressed up in a, you know, a, um, a coat with tails and everything and a, a top hat. It's like I try and practice that strolling and I try and do that metaphorically in life to stroll through life rather than rush through life. And that way I enjoy it more. I think that's a really beautiful and important point, Fred and Ginger metaphor. I like that. Um, and other tools for slowing down or quieting down, because some people have an easier time of it than others. Number one, turn off the technology and maybe um, tamp down the hyper stimulus that you're subjecting yourself to because you do have control over that. Right. You know, maybe prioritize the things like having a nice dinner, a nice glass of wine with somebody that you love and looking them in the eye and having a conversation that's not about work, not about politics or whatever. You know, everybody can find whatever it is. Meditation, obviously, we can never say enough about on the show um, a lot of people say I can't meditate just sit quietly in the morning pick three minutes a day and just focus on your breath and don't worry about any magical occurrences or techniques just ways to really um, create space because I think a lot of this overarching theme tonight also has to do with just our brains and our hearts being overcrowded with so much muck and so much hyper stimulus that hurts too much and for us to sort of find some space to kind of clean that out sort of clean out the cobwebs in whatever way you want to do it is really the point that we're getting at right right and and I think with that the other idea is to really honor what you're feeling. You know, maybe part of the numbing of America is it's too painful mm -hmm. to feel what's going on and to really process it. Maybe it triggers things about your childhood or your own life where you just don't want to even pay attention to it because you don't want to feel the pain that's within you that wants to be expressed, you know? And so I think one of the reasons for a lot of people feeling depressed, I'm not talking about depression as a mental illness, I'm just talking about feeling depressed, is they're not expressing those feelings. And it's a sad time in certain ways. And I think that's why, as a guy, as a dude, it's so important for me, and I'm so passionate about it, to show people that I care. Because in so many different ways in the world, we're getting messages that people don't care. And so I try and remind them that I do care. I think it's um, – I, I don't think it's gender-specific. I understand your point because maybe you know men haven't been as supported in being um, emotionally expressive. But I think it's important regardless of who you are, what gender you are, for all of us to really keep that in mind and make that a priority. Well, you and know, it, just, to te just, to te just to treat each other like we want to be treated. It's so cliche and it's so powerful. Yeah, yeah. And sorry not to interrupt you. I just – I wanted to say that I say that as a dude because, you know, I'm a sensitive dude and I want to remind guys, you're allowed to be sensitive. Like there's strength in it to show sensitivity. And back to the dating tip, since Rob, Rob gave one earlier, That's I'm going right. to use this one as, just right, as a segue. Yeah. You know, women like me love a sensitive dude. We do. We love a guy who can cry every once in a while. So that's, that's my right. that's my tip. You should see me when I'm watching This Is Us. I don't think there's been one episode where I haven't gotten emotional. That show, it's like so well written. Have see, I have a sh I do a radio show on Tuesday night, so I can't watch it because I don't know how to spell DVR. So I I never see it. 
Well, I'll show you how to do that, but then like you can like binge watch them and watch one after another without a lot of commercials. Oh, so it's really great. Okay. All right. Well you have to so, show me how to do it. But that. it is a great show. People, if you haven't yes. seen This Is Us, watch it. It's a good yeah. show. Yes. It's very so, real. We're coming up on the end of the show. Um want everyone to know that we have some really great guests that we're booking for the show. Lots of exciting things happening with the Robin Callie show. Um if you want to be a guest on the show, you can contact us. Absolutely. Hello at the and, and tell us why you'd think you'd be, uh, you know, why you're interested in being a guest and why you think you'd be an interesting guest. That's right. That's right. We, we want to know. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm glad we talked about this tonight. Again, we're trying to bring some color and life back to the world, which is something that we try and do on every episode. Um, we want to make people laugh a little instead of cry sometimes and also just be reminded, like, we're moving in the right direction. Things are all right. And just if you don't feel that way, go get a hug. Yeah. And keep the keep the faith. That's the other thing. Try to find something that gives you a sense of faith. I need to hear myself say this because there's plenty of days lately where I lose it, lose faith. And so whatever that means to you with, you know, ideally without overly attaching to anybody else's, just find a way to bring yourself some hope and some light. Yeah, definitely. So thanks, everybody, for watching. Thanks for listening. Take care, y'all. Thank you.